I'm Alyssa Lane and welcome to the LifeCraft Podcast. LifeCraft is passionate about helping you live your everyday life better by sharing inspiration, awareness and tools to enable you to create a fulfilling life. On this episode of the LifeCraft Podcast, we have financial planner Adele Barnard. This is episode four of our Monday Money Matters series, created to help you become your most abundant self. In this episode, we talk all about debt-free living, the snowball effect it has on our lives, why we should move away from the good debt versus bad debt conversation, and Adele shares practical tips on how you can start creating a debt-free life. Are you ready to be inspired? Then tag at the LifeCraft and at Adele.Barnard and share a screenshot on your stories with us of your biggest takeaway from this episode. Adele, welcome back to the LifeCraft. I'm so happy to have you here continuing our May money series. Today we're going to be talking about debt free living and it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart because it makes such a big difference when you live a debt-free life when the debt that you have serves you and when you actually understand debt um so i i can't wait for us to get going with this where do you want to start i know that we spoke about the snowball effect and the avalanche of debt so get our listeners into debt so that they can understand it a bit more Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me once again. I am so grateful for the opportunity to chat about debt today um, because in South Africa, we're not a savings nation. We're a spending nation. And what does that equal? That people have a lot of debt. First of all, not all debt is bad. We've got good debt too, which we'll dive in a bit later. But the first thing is, if you have a lot of debt, meaning your income is not enough or sufficient to settle all your debts, because what happens is we start working, the retailers contact us, we sign up for all these cards, we buy now, pay later syndrome happens. And on a certain day, we're like, Whew, things are a bit hectic. You pull your credit profile, your, your credit report, or you see on your budget and you're like, oh my goodness, you're breaking out in sweat, you can't meet um, all your commitments. The first thing is that is very important is that you write down all your debts. You're like, cool, I owe company X, Y, and Z. This is the monthly amount or installment I need to pay. This is the balance on it. Then you can determine, should I go for the debt snowball method or the debt avalanche method? How am I going to get rid of this debt? So typically I'm referring you to, you've got retail accounts, you've got credit cards, you've got overdrafts, you've got personal loans and the like. That's all bad forms of debt. The reason why I said it's bad forms of debt is because you are being charged a lot of interest. So when you pay back, let's hypothetically, when installment is 100 rand, of the actual 100 rand, not the entire 100 rand goes into the capital amount to decrease the debt because there's admin charges, uh, there's other fees, and the interest it also takes a portion of the 100 rand. So the ideal is to have no debt. So everyone knows I always preach, I don't have retail accounts. I've only got my check account and my credit card. Um, and my credit card, I pay the amounts in that I use to benefit from, from the, the loyalty of the cashbacks. But let's dive into the snowball and the avalanche method. 
So your snowball method is the one where you start paying back the smallest amount, the smallest debt first. So obviously, bear in mind, you do pay like all your, your creditors and um, the minimum monthly amount, but you'll start with the smallest one first because you want to get rid of that one. So let's say three months or four months down the line or whenever, when you're done with the smallest one, that one's installment, you can then use on the next uh, debt to eventually mm. get your debt completely. The other side of the coin, so that is, um, I think mentally it's a nice one to do because you can make a list um, of mm. all, you know, everyone that you owe. And then you're like, cool, in a couple of months, draw a line. This one is done. Move on to the next one. Because if you have a lot of debt, it can feel overwhelming. It really can. If you have a lot of debt and you absolutely know that you don't have the finances to pay all of the installments. So is it okay to pay the minimum monthly installment and then just to really use your budget to zone in on paying each single one? But how do you, so do you literally just focus on the smallest amount first while still paying all of the rest? Can't that feel a bit overwhelming? How do you pay that one? So do you pay that a little bit more than the minimum? Yes, sorry, just to get, get in there, you're so right. I think a person is so overwhelmed when you've, you struggle with debt and you're anxious and you're worried how you're going to settle everything. The best route, if possible, and obviously it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, it depends on income, it depends on the other expenses, is the best solution is that you rather say, okay, you still pay all your minimum installments to every account because you don't want to fall behind and fall in arrears and the likes. Then the one with the smallest um debt owed right that one you pay additional money on so hypothetically mm. let's make it practical let's say you owe five thousand rand on on a certain card that in that's the smallest one and your biggest debt is let's say fifty thousand rand we're going to use and let's say the installment on the five thousand rand debt is 250 rand a month i'm just grabbing these amounts out of the air so we're going to pay let's depending on what is left in our budget we'll pay 500 rand a month so we'll pay double so that we know, let's say in the next couple of months, we get rid of that one. So a couple of months down the line, our debt that was only 5,000 rand, that one is now settled earlier. Now, all of a sudden, we've got 500 rand per month back into our budget. Now we tackle the next debt and we use that 500 rand um, for the next debt to get rid of that one. And that's why it's called the entire snowball effect. Mm. Yeah, and I can think that'll be great just mentally to tick those off of the list and to know that you don't need to go and get money out of thin air, that you're actually using the first one's money to start settling the next one. I love that. Let's talk about the avalanche method. Okay, so the avalanche method, that one is mathematically, the avalanche one makes more sense because you will start paying the debt with the highest interest rate first. So you'll make a list of uh, all the creditors that you owe, the installments, the outstanding balance, and you will go check what is the interest that you're being charged on the retail account or on the overdraft or on the personal loan or credit card or wherever it might be. The one with the highest interest rate, you start with that one. So irrelevant of the outstanding amount on it, the highest interest rate. The reason why I say this makes more sense because now, back to our 100 Rand example, if we pay 100 Rand on an installment, the entire 100 Rand doesn't go to the debt. So if our interest rate is 27%, let's be realistic, let's say 27.5 or 27 27%, if we charge interest of 27, 27%, 27 rand 50 of that 100 rand just goes for interest. 
Now the remaining, there's still an admin fee and then, and, and. so how much capital really does get settled every single time you make a payment? So that's why it makes more sense to get rid of the most expensive debt first. Most expensive debt equals the one with the highest interest rate. This one can be a bit more tricky because in the sense of it won't be according, like I mentioned earlier, due to the size of the debt owed, but the interest rate. So you might have a massive, I don't know, personal loan or credit card with a very high interest rate, and it might, may take you longer to get rid of that one, but you will shorten the term eventually, which something that's very important, and I think often our financial coaches and the likes forget to mention to people, once you've settled the debt, so whether it's the retail account or whatever, or the credit card, please cut up the card. Don't, or even cut it up before, because you'll be so tempted if you're in, you know, financially a stressful situation and there's an emergency or whatever the case might be, or something happens, you'll be so tempted to use that credit card again if the facility is available, because you've made a payment, now you're using it again. You're not getting ahead. So it's very important um, to get rid of the card. Even, um, you know, take a pick of it, burn the card. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but get rid of it so that you don't have access to use it again. Yeah, that's key because people start getting into that loop of getting themselves out of debt and then back into debt and out of debt and back into debt. So it can feel very overwhelming, as we've said, and it can feel like debt is just a bad thing that takes up all your money, but it's not, especially like in the first um, episode of this whole series, we spoke about the mindset in regards to money. And I know that I started looking at my own debt, like something that is a good thing, something that people trusted me with to be able to pay them on a monthly basis, that when I pay my bills, I'd be grateful for the fact that they trusted me with the money or the service or the goods. And I would really make it a something to to practice gratitude in but there's also a flip side you can make debt that's actually good for you that can actually be of use to you so not everything is bad when it comes to debt and I'd love for you to teach us a bit more about what is good debt and how you can actually use it to your advantage great so Melissa you're so right if an individual let's say they've got a business um, and they're using the funds either that they've obtained to put back into the business to expand or improve the business or whatever the case might be that is an investment so that's good debt um, because you're going to expand with the eye on earning more getting a bigger um, income in uh, income stream in so there's space for that I think what's key is is that we don't have or an individual you know that have obtained a lot of credit um, or finances all of a sudden and they just go rogue and just go spend the money because how are they going to pay it back so that's where the difference between good and bad debt is. Another thing that I hear so often people are like, yeah, no, a car's not, an, it's a depreciating asset. Yes, it is a depreciating asset. Um, but the conversation we need to have is, does your car, if you still go to the office, does it stand from eight to five outside? Or do you use your car to see clients or go visit shops or stores and sell your stuff or whatever the case might be? Because then it's an investment in your business. Um, so I'm not saying go buy the top of the range model now <laughs> to be reckless, but I mean, it, it makes sense 
it's very important, whatever funds you also make, the other side of the uh, conversation is the same. If your business, the income you get in, it's very important to use that and invest it again in your business so that you can be the best in your industry or trade or whatever the case might be. Um, I think we need to move away from the good debt versus bad debt conversation and be responsible when we obtain credit. I think that is the shift in the focus and the conversation that we should have. It's being responsible. It's being, can I afford to do this? Am I going to use it for the right purposes? Because then we don't foresee a problem. I love that mindset shift, not good or bad, but just being responsible with it. Because what I wanted to add is we know that not all small businesses make it. Not all of our dreams actually become profitable, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you have been forced by something like 2020 to be a little bit more savvy and to make your own income because you might have lost your job or you need a second income, etc., etc. So making debt and investing it into an idea or into a business or into a product or a service that you want to use to expand your finances isn't always that easy. How are they, are there certain things that people can do to really start honing in on this will be a sound investment or I should actually still keep my nine to five and just hustle for a bit more money? Do you understand where I'm getting with that? Because I don't want everyone to think I can be an entrepreneur like Gary Vee and I can just use all of my money and make some debt because I will make it back. You won't always. Sometimes it's trial and error. Um, but how do you discern in between those? I mean, it sounds so glad and grateful for this question because I get it asked so very often. Um, people are like, you know, we all have vision and dreams and um, and which is a good thing, but we also need to be realistic and think of it in practice. So if you like myself, my opinion, or I'm always of the opinion, yes, I'll play it a bit more safe. Um, I'll always be like, cool, once the business sticks to your 95, and it's difficult, but everyone's doing it, stick to your 95 and get your side hustle going. As soon as you see, cool, the income is like consistent or you can save up the money that's coming in from the side hustle, then make the shift and leave your nine to five and the likes. Because what we don't want, we don't want you to jump in, start your business. Now, three, four months down the line, you've got cash flow problems. Now you're stressed because you don't have enough money to buy inventory or whatever, pay whatever services you need to, to render your service. Now it flows over into your personal finances. Now you're stressed and you can't focus on what you need to do. And it's a whole snowball method of things just that's, that are going wrong, chain reaction. So, but people do differ from me. Um, We've got a lot of successful entrepreneurs that just took the plunge and, you know, made the dive, whatever, and started, and they've be, become quite successful. So I do think it depends. It's not one size fits all. It depends on industry. It depends on the person. It depends on your personal entrepreneurial traits um, and the likes. But for me, I would like to have that peace of mind to say, cool, I've got sufficient cash um, uh, to, to continue. Yes, and I think... Personally, I just want to add, uh, while you were saying that, I was thinking about my own journey in regards to health, my health coaching career. And I read a book by Lisa Nichols, and she's an amazing entrepreneur, amazing motivational speaker. And she said that she stuck with her nine to five. And she called that funding her dream. She just wanted to quit her nine to five because she didn't like it at all. She wasn't happy there. She knew what she wanted to do and she just wanted to go for it. But she had a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old son to look after. And she had to make a mindset shift to say, it's not a bad thing to keep your nine to five and to make sure that this road that you're going on will work for you. 
and will work for your target audience, etc., etc. But don't just see it as I'm doing my nine to five and this is going to freaking kill me one day. See it as funding your dream. The money you get there, you can use to build the dream life that you want. If you start using it in a very responsible way. And I think it's a great practice area. Learn from the business you're in how to work the finances of the business that you want to have. Learn how to become the type of person that is going to be responsible with money by the time you have your own business going so that you don't have to go through all the trial and error and learning how to make a budget and getting debt-free then. So it's such an important conversation to have. I absolutely love that. I also want you to discuss compound interest and and understanding like credit cards and and retail cards and things like that because it can get so confusing because we don't have these conversations often enough and a lot of us didn't grow up in homes where we spoke about money openly. So can you touch on that just to end with? Um, Melissa, the thing is with compound interest and I'm quite known for quoting Albert Einstein on this one. He said that, those that make it work for them have earned compound interest. And those that don't understand how compound interest work pays for it. And what he means by that is if we are saving or we are investing for the long term, we paying our future selves and we are generating income um, and we're earning interest, right? If we pay it, it means he refers to the credit cards, the overdrafts, the retail accounts. It's things we've already consumed. It's things we've already used. And we are still paying that monthly installment for things we've already used. We don't even have the benefit of it right now. Um, that is compound interest, <laughs> the long and the short of it. So it's very important. The sooner we understand it, I'm all for financial education, for financial literacy, the better. I see it so often individuals, um, they start working or they finish studying, they start their own businesses or uh, they, they start working for a company. And then, you know, it's very nice. We all get the retail accounts and the credit cards and everyone's got it and so forth. And we don't actually, and we sign because we're too rushed to read the fine print and whatever. And we don't actually understand how things work. And then you're like a couple of months online, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought this should have been settled or however. Um, so my rule of thumb is, is just to stay away <laughs> from retail accounts and the likes. Um, there's space for a credit card if you use it effectively and disciplined uh, in monthly. Um, but I think with compound interest is we need to incorporate the savings culture. We need to have the conversation by saying to ourselves, um, I don't, oh, I can't only save or invest in my future at the end. I need to put it in my budget at the beginning um, because it's very quickly. Once you've got your income to go through items, you're like, oh, I need this for entertainment and I need this for clothes and this for that and that. Um, but we need to realize that we should start saving or investing first of all pay yourself first i cannot um, emphasize that line enough and paying ourselves first is by saving having various savings accounts or um, investing in various investment vehicles um, that is quite quite important absolutely with compound, uh, absolutely i love the pay yourself first principle it is a game changer and it feels quite strange especially if you're in a not the greatest financial space or if you've got a lot of debt, but at least we know now that a, debt, a debt-free life is possible. It is something you can work towards and it's never too late. It's never too late to start. And as the listeners of the Lifecraft podcast, we're all trying to really become the best version of ourselves. But that means thinking of your future self 
in the present moment and not only doing that when it comes to your health and when it comes to your relationships and when it comes to all of that, but actually doing it when it comes to your finances as well. And I'm so excited because next week we are going to be talking about a topic that I can't wait to talk about. And that's going to be how to manage money as a couple because money and talking about money has caused so many divorces and people breaking up and so much tension in so many households. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Thank you so much, Adele. If you guys have any other questions, drop them in the comments below, contact us at the Lifecraft or find Adele on social media as well. Adele Barnard, everything will be tagged below in the credits and let us live a debt-free life. We can do it in a couple of generations if we all work together and keep having these types of conversations. Thank you so much for your time, Adele. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was lovely chatting to you. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to share your takeaway or something you heard that motivated or inspired you, we would love it if you would subscribe to our channel, leave a review and tag at the Lifecraft on Instagram. Also feel free to let us know who you'd like to see appear on this show in future. We enjoy bringing you interviews from experts and everyday people so that they can talk about their experiences and share information, tips, and what has worked for them on their journey towards a better life. However, remember that the opinions or advice of our guests and myself, the host, should not be taken as personal, actionable advice and is given as general information and education only. Please always remember to consult a qualified professional before implementing any medical, financial, legal, or other advice that you believe might work for you. Lifecraft is not responsible nor liable for your decision when implementing anything you hear on the podcast. Please listen and act responsibly. The opinions of our guests do not represent the opinions or views of Lifecraft or Melissa Lane personally and are meant as information and general education only.